Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Kate DeLeo. Kate's branding approach is rooted in her firm belief that brand is the path of least resistance to revenue. Kate's honored to have partnered with more than 200 brands across 20 sectors. She's passionate about helping organizations craft messages that brings more prospects to the table, more users who click, and more customers who buy. Her book, Muting the Megaphone, Stop Telling Stories and Start Having Conversations is, uh, by the time this is airing, will have been released as of July of 2022. So thank you so much for joining me today, Kate. Thank you so much for having me, Diane. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So speaking of your book, um, it is aimed at founders, marketers, and sales professionals. And yes. in it, you talk about the concept of stop telling story or yeah, stop telling stories and start having conversations. That's right. Yeah. Can you unpack that concept and why oh, I'd love to not stories? Yeah, absolutely. And I, so I think first off, it's important to kind of talk about Diane, I think when we think of branding, which is my area of expertise and specifically brand messaging, not logos and colors here, but when we think about branding, I think right now what's going on is we're in this world of what I call megaphone marketing. And if you've ever been on the other side of a megaphone marketing, it's like you're thrown so much content, so many features and benefits and special offers and ads and all of this stuff that it's creating a sense of overwhelm for most of us as consumers and buyers. And our prospects are tired of the overwhelm. But the problem is, is many of us in the world of marketing and branding have taken this concept, good concept of storytelling, and we've gone rogue with it. Uh, if you recall Donald Miller, he wrote this book called Story Brand. Great concept, making your customer the heart of your brand, the heart of your story, right? Making them the hero, making it all about them. But Diane, I think what happened is many of us turned that into this long monologue approach of storytelling that made it all about us instead. The problem with storytelling that I have is that storytelling is a one-way conversation. You have one person talking and one person listening. So how is that engaging for your customers? Whereas conversational branding is an approach where what I try to teach people is each layer of your message, from your tagline to your value proposition statement to your differentiator statements, down to the explainer video and features and benefits, 
each layer provokes that person, whether they're reading it on your website or hearing it in a conversation, to respond and ask the next question and ultimately begin a brand conversation. Fascinating. I love this idea. Thank you. I, I, and I totally get what you're saying. Um, and, and oh my gosh, we, we really, we, we do not engage in enough conversations that, that are meaningful sure. for people to really yeah. feel the connection. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's true. I think it's true. I think we are in this world right now, though, where people are craving it more than ever. Somebody yeah. asked me the other day, Hey, do you think we're going to go back to the days of when sales funnel pages are gone? And I said, I think we are. I think people are tired of it. They're tired I of having to scroll too. down this huge, long page of information, wondering, wait, what button am I supposed to click on? Right. Wait, what's the next step? You know, we don't need to be inundated with everything, Diane. We just need to know some basic information as consumers to be able to want to take the next step. Yeah, I'm so about that. And I am so glad that you're saying that because I hate those things. I know. Most of us do, even as marketers and professionals, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. And and I um, said when I was reading your bio that you you know, have this belief that brand is the path of least resistance to revenue. What does that mean? Well, really what I'm getting at it is, and again, my background started off in sales. Interestingly enough, you know, when the market crashed, I fell into sales out of necessity to go pay <laughs> off my college debt. Um, but it was in my sales career, my early sales career in my twenties, where I learned the power of a brand pitch of how do you get more prospects to the table? How do you ultimately impact revenue? And it's not about having all the complex sales scripts in the world, Diane, and having these crazy drip marketing campaigns, what I learned firsthand is that ultimately based on buyer psychology, it comes down to a really strong brand pitch. And brand is your path of least resistance to revenue because I think when you can quickly tell somebody in that first 15 to 30 seconds, you know, whether you're in the Zoom room, you're on a call or whether they see it on your website, when you can tell them, hey, listen, this is what I do. This is how I solve your problem. And this is how I'm different from the competition in that order. You know, I think that's the stuff, isn't it? That's going to get somebody on the other side of the call or reading that website to go, okay, that's interesting. I want to have a conversation. I want to learn more. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So what does a good brand look like? Well, that's a big question. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's some principles, I think, of great brands and I'll walk you through them. I mean, cool. you know, I, I've worked with almost 300 organizations at this point globally, anything from bootstrapped independent solopreneurs who had an idea all the way to, you know, large enterprise companies. But there are principles that remain the same for great brands. I think number one, great brands recognize that they have to own their authentic tone of voice and personality. They don't try and pair it the way everybody else talks in the marketplace. They really put some stakes in the ground and own who they are. And so owning that personality of your brand is really critical to make sure that you write a message and deliver a message that actually sounds like you, feels like you, that everybody in your company would say and, and think and go, wow, this is so us and we own it. So that's number one. I think principle number two, Diane, for great brands is that they have niched in. They've done a really good job of recognizing that they don't need to speak to anybody and everybody trying to convince everybody in the world to buy from them. No, in fact, their market success is hinges upon their ability to niche in and do a great job speaking to one or two, maybe three core audiences who have 
a set of buyer characteristics that really work well with who they are as an organization. I always tell my clients, you're not in the business of convincing. You're in the business of converting. But what that means is that you have to make some really strong decisions as a company of who you actually want to work with so that you can do the third and final component of a great brand, which is to write a message that speaks to the deepest level heart pain you solve for those audiences, making it about the heart pain. Okay. So let's pull on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. What, if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, okay, heart pain, like what does it look like? Well, I think what the tendency is, is when I talk about heart pain is if we were to talk about ourselves and our companies, right? We say, oh, I provide these great products and services. Okay, yeah. well, sure, good. Yeah. But what problem does that solve? When we talk about heart pain, what I'm getting at is that moment when the other person goes, oh my gosh, you get me. You get what ah. I'm going through right now. Have you ever gone to somebody's website and in the first couple sentences, you go, oh my gosh, they read my mail. They kind of smack you between the <laughs> eyes a little bit. Have you ever had that? And you're like, oh, and you know, that's a great brand. That's a great brand that did such a tre- tremendous job of creating a message that articulated, I totally get you. Now, here's how I'm going to help you solve that pain. That's good branding. I get it. So they, so the consumer or the, the prospect yes. really feels like this company is speaking directly to them. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. what we want? Yeah, it is. Right. If we, if we put ourselves in our buyer's shoes, our partners, our employees, our current customers, when we think about our audiences, isn't that ultimately what we want is to be understood? Definitely. And so if you can, with your brand message, have a simple set of sentences in order that really hits somebody a bit between the eyeballs and go, whoa, they, yes, you just called it out. That's exactly what I'm going through. Wow, how powerful is that? That person is no longer needing to be convinced then of how great you are. They are self-selecting because they feel understood. Right, right. And they end up being the customers you want to work with. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I worked with a company a few months ago and um, they came in to the program and I said, well, let's talk about your target audiences. And I kid you not, they had 10 different target audiences. Wow. And I said, how's that going for you? (laughs) (laughs) And they said, it's very chaotic. It's exhausting. You know, we have 10 separate sales sheets and 10 separate flyers and 10, you know, subsites of our website. I said, okay, hold on. Let's go back it for a second here. What are you selling and why? And so we talked a bit about their vision and what they're trying to achieve with their company and why they got into this and how they want to help. And I said, all right, now out of all the stuff that you sell, what's the stuff that gives you the most margin, is the most fun, uh, easiest to duplicate? Your team enjoys every bit of it. Your customers keep coming back and raving about you. We found a pattern that actually out of the many, many products and services they had, there were only two things that they actually really could hang their head on and that they were really experts at. 
And as a byproduct, Dan, you know what happened? When we were able to say, oh, this is, this is the stuff that you're really great at, that 10 target audiences went down to one target wow. audience. And you know what was really cool is by being able to go from 10 audiences down to one clear audience with buyer criteria, where we documented not only demographics, but psychographics. What's the decision-making style of this company and leader? Uh, level of bureaucracy, uh, where do they shop? Where do they spend their money? So on and so forth. You know what was fascinating is instead of them having what we call brand chaos, where they're trying to be a chameleon to everybody and everybody, they were able to then build a singular message that really resonated with one audience. And the output of that, the outcome of that was direct revenue growth. More of the right people heard that message and said, yes, that's me. Yes, I need this solved. Yes, I want to talk to you. Boy, I really appreciate that example because that covers so much. And I'm really hoping that people are hearing the, the example up because I think so many companies are doing this, this right. example of really trying to contort what we offer to anybody because we're right. looking for revenue. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We, we out. out. Well, and it's so funny because I've worked with founders of, you know, $500 million organizations and then $5 organizations, right? Somebody that's just yeah. getting started with an idea. And you know, the common theme that I hear from many of us as founders and entrepreneurs is we do have this deep-seated fear sometimes, don't we? Yeah. That if I don't take anybody, I'm going to leave money on the table. Right. But that's such a fear mindset. Yeah. You know, I, I remember this was a few years ago. I dealt with a health crisis in my life and it caused me to have to really pull back on my work-life balance. I was working, you know, 60, 80 hours a week. I bought into this hustle BS, I remember. And um, I was a single mom at the time and I was just, I was exhausted and I got sick and I had to put some strong parameters or bumpers on the bowling alley of how I lived and worked. And in the process of doing so, I really recognized a couple big things. I, I really recognized that I was leading from a place of desperation instead of invitation. And I think that principle remains true for branding and for leadership, that many of us come from a place of desperation, worried that if we don't serve everybody, then nobody's going to buy from us. But actually, the opposite is true. When we are really confident in our expertise and only offer the things that we're experts at, and we're really confident in, who, in knowing who actually needs that, whose pain we can solve, it's amazing what happens. We lead from a place of invitation, and those people who do need it go, you're speaking my language. Yes. Thank yeah. you.
Yeah, it's so true. And it's so, um, we spend so much time diluting our message mm. and, and then wondering why no one's hearing it. And that's exactly what you're saying. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's because we do this thing. And do you find that um, the consumers sense that, feel that desperation? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, um, sometimes we also get really worried about our competitors and what everybody else is doing, don't we? Well, yeah. competitor ABC says this and they seem to be making money and competitor, <laughs> you know, XYZ over here. And I go, well, I wonder if you'd be making money if you just decided to be you. Stop trying to be green or blue if you're orange. Yeah. You know, the only way you're going to stick out in a sea of sameness is by being your 100% authentic self. Yeah. It's, it's not only a lesson for us as leaders, but again, for our organizations and our brands. Great brands don't, they quite frankly, don't worry as much about the competition as they do about owning who they are and coming out of the gate, just guns blazing with a message that just says, hey, listen, this is what we do. This is how we solve your problem. This is how we're different. Boom, take it or leave it. And allowing the recipient of that message to self-select, to yeah. go, yes, that's me. Or, hey, that's not right for me. Right. Good. Let them go. Right. Let them go if they're not yep. right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it does take faith mm -hmm. initially, right? Yeah. Because once you start doing it, you realize that's exactly the path. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Wow. It is so true. So um, if, if there was like one big thing you wanted every listener to take away and implement as it relates to their brand, what do you think that would be? I know that's, well, a, that's a big question. question. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Can I give them 10 things? No, I'm kidding. Um, Certainly you, by now you've heard us talk about owning who you are, standing in confidence, but I ultimately think if I could give you the most practical and insightful piece of what it, this tactically looks like, I want you to make sure that if you walk away today, that you go and look at your brand message. And I want you to make sure that you have three core messaging components in order that I teach called the brand trifecta. Number one, a great tagline that answers the question, what do you do? Number two, in order here, a value proposition statement that says, here's how we solve your deepest heart pain. And then number three, a set of what we call differentiator statements, sometimes called, you know, your three uniques, but the one, two, three big bullet points, maybe four of how you're different and better than the rest. Diane, if you can get those three messaging components in place in that order, I guarantee you, you're going to have a brand that truly can be your path of least resistance to revenue. That is so great. I swear you're talking about it. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to her website. <laughs> <laughs> I got to do this thing, right? And it doesn't matter how, how long you've been in business. This is a thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. What do they say about the cobbler in their own shoes? I yeah, tell you what, my right. friend, I mean, listen, I'm constantly making sure I'm going back to my own, Yeah. you know, going, hey, is this on point? Is this accurate? Do I feel that this is really what I'm trying to say to the world? Um, I think that's important for us to continually reflect and make sure that we're evolving as our business evolves and as our, our customers evolve. 
Okay. I'm so glad you just said that because that was going to be my next question. <laughs> Seriously, which was, this is not a, a static, you know, in concrete or, you know, granite sort of thing, right? No, I talk a lot about that in my book too. It's so funny because, you know, and in the book, by the way, it walks you through, if you're listening, you're like, how do I write a tagline? Well, good news. That book is only a hundred pages and is the pure tactical. Nice. Pure tactical information of do this, do this, do this to go write your brand. So if you're needing like your marching orders, that book is truly your marching orders of how to write this. That being said, at the end of the book, I talk a lot about when do you have to augment or enhance your brand? When is it time to change? Well, um, two rules, right? Number one, don't just set it and forget it for the next 20 years. But also I have a lot of brand enthusiasts that I work with who every 20 days are updating their tagline. And I'm like, okay, Bob, hold on. <laughs> you also have to let it sit for a little bit, right? So you have some data to understand, is it working? Is it resonating or not? So I would say, don't go to either extreme. But what I would say gives you indicators that it's, it's time to update is symptoms such as, wow, my sales cycle is really long. Wow, uh, the messaging that used to work, it, it's like people don't really understand when I explain what I do anymore. Um, geez, Kate, I've got a new product or service and we don't really know how to talk about it. Um, Hey, we're trying to go after a new segment in the market and we don't really know what to say to those people, but you've only talked to these people before, you know, these are all symptoms or indicators that you do need to go take a step back and look at your message and really make sure it's on point. Obviously a direct correlation of your brand working or not working. Diane is, are you seeing conversions? Are you seeing sales? And if you're not, something's up. You yeah. gotta go do that quarter turn, that tightening of the bolts of your message. Don't reinvent who you are, but something probably needs to change in your language to make sure that you're surgically on point and talking to that audience correctly. Well, that's really valuable too, because it, it is about the language. It's not about reinventing no. you, your business, no. you know, your offering necessarily. And I, I feel like that's sometimes what people do. Well, I, I, you know, it's so true. I have had so many sad stories of people coming to me after going to these big, big marketing agencies and dropping thirty to fifty thousand dollars or more on this whole rebrand project, and they're like, "What was that for?" Yeah, right. That didn't get me any more customers. And now, yeah. listen, I'll tell you, I'm not a graphic designer, but boy, do I love a pretty logo and amazing colors, right? And that's 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 important. Your visual side is very important. But what I want us to make sure that we're really thinking about is you know, path of least resistance, path of least resistance. What is the language that you could go update today on your website and in your pitch decks and in your sales sheets and on your LinkedIn bio? What's the language that today you can go and amend so that more people read it and see it and hear it and go, oh, that's interesting. I want to have a conversation with you. See, that's the power of branding is you really are taking it into your own hands to be the message that ultimately creates conversations. That's the goal here. Right. Right. That's really valuable too. I mean, people really need to hear that, that it really is about piquing someone's interest. So they want to know more or they want to know you, you know, whatever those things are. Yes. So you can have that conversation with them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, this has really been great, Kate. I I appreciate (laughs) this. You know, I, I, I interview a lot of people about branding. Um, Mm -hmm. I think 
probably because it's one of those things that I think is really difficult for small business yeah. owners to wrap oh. their head around. It, oh, absolutely. Let me tell right. you. It's so it's such a nebulous thing, isn't it? it sounds like yeah. fluff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which then not. makes them nervous about oh, yeah. engaging, you know, with a company absolutely. around, you know, making that happen. They, I think they just sort of go, okay, never mind. Let's move on to something else. Uh, but it's really, really important. And it's it probably is. different today than it was 30 years ago. It, it absolutely is. And one of the biggest recommendations I tell people is whether you are going to do it yourself, you hire a big agency, you work with somebody like myself, who's a smaller business that does this for a living, make sure, please, that you find somebody that truly knows how to write. And specifically, can you get somebody in the room that's written brands before? Do they know how to write a tagline? Do they know how to write some of these pieces? You see the tendency, if we stare at our own brand, right? What happens? All of a sudden out the other ends come paragraph upon paragraph of corporate mumbo jumbo content. We stare, we go, oh, that wasn't very good. We're so close to our own businesses, Diane, that we need another perspective. And so yeah, however right. you might do it, I just recommend that you get an outside voice and perspective in the room yeah. and somebody who doesn't just talk in concepts, but practically and tactically understands how to write. If you can find somebody like that, oh my gosh, that's your secret weapon to really getting your messaging down. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a crazy huge project. My projects are only four weeks long. You know, uh, it doesn't have to be a $50,000 project. I think the goal here is how can you nail this thing down, whether it's by yourself or with, with a, a team of great people, but do it in a way that makes sense, that doesn't break the bank, yeah. But ultimately is a message that you'd actually have come out of your mouth day in and day out. Cause that's what matters. Oh, perfect. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. Kate, I'm so grateful that, that you joined me today and, and had this conversation. Thank you so much for Thank you. spending this time <laughs> Will you let the listeners know, you know, how they can find you, how they can get your book, all that great stuff? Oh, sure. Thank you. Well, first off, if you're on LinkedIn and you follow Diane and you're listening to this, I would love for you to connect with me on LinkedIn and just find me Kate DeLeo. It would be so great to be connected. If you have a question on your brand, send me a message directly. I respond to those personally. Happy to help. Otherwise, the best way to check out the book, which is on sale, and to learn more about this approach to branding, how do you build a brand that is your path of least resistance to revenue? I invite you to check out my website, which is www.katedeleo.com. And I know Diane will have that in the show notes as well for spelling. Yep, absolutely. Well, so great. As I said, thank you. And listeners, thank you. Thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day.
The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.